Confidence is not just a feeling, sometimes it's an action. Welcome to The Found Podcast with Molly Knuth, a podcast for women who are founding and getting found with their businesses online. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and my mission is to help women rewrite how we live and work on our own terms. We want to grow families, impact others for the better, and be a positive force in our communities. But we also want to have a fulfilling life, you know? In the past six years, I've gone from being a stay-at-home mom to a freelance social media marketer to a hashtag boss babe, managing client needs, talented team members, and my husband and four kiddos on our little farm here in Eastern Iowa. And what I've learned in that time is that it's not just about going full force or any one-size-fits-all strategy for a business owner. It takes you leaning into your unique gifts, intuition, and goals, and learning who you are as a person along the way to founding this business. So come along for lessons and stories from female founders growing and scaling their businesses through energetics, tried and true tactics, and high vibe personal growth. Be ready to get found. Hello, friend. Welcome back to the Found Podcast. In 2024, we are bringing guest interviews back to the pod. It's been a few months, but it was kind of like riding a bike, and I could not have picked a better guest to be our first guest interview of the year than my friend, Kaya Burchett. I cannot, I cannot physically reiterate how great this conversation was that we had today, but I can tell you the feeling that I had afterward, like lit up, inspired, ready to take on the rest of the day, like buzzing with energy because Kaya is just She's just great. Like you can just feel it when you see her and when you hear her voice. And if you're unfamiliar with Coach Kaya, she is on a mission to empower others to find joy in their journey of living a physically, mentally, and emotionally healthy life they love with a mindset-first approach. And I think you're really going to hear that come through multiple times in our conversation today. After battling her own weight and body image from a young age, Kaya embarked on her own personal health journey, losing over 100 pounds. But more importantly, she ditched the mental weight that she had been carrying with her for all of those years. Not only is she now featured on the Found Podcast, but Coach Kaya has also been in People Magazine, Good Morning America, The Kelly Clarkson Show, Women's Health. She spoke at Rise, and she has countless other features attributed to her list of features. She uses her struggles to give strength to others, but I really do, I agree. Her superpower is that she is authentic as they come. She talks today about growing up as a sixth generation cattle rancher, her heart for rural America and the ag community. She talks about her love of public speaking and wanting to be a star. She brings humor to the conversation. She is just great. And as you'll hear in today's conversation, we talk about going through physical transformations. We talk about going through identity transformations, and we really get honed in on building confidence and self-belief, which is our theme here at The Found Podcast in February 2024. I am so excited to bring this conversation to you today, listener. So without further ado, meet my friend, Coach Kaya. Kaya, I am so excited to talk with you today. Welcome to The Found Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Likewise. Oh, I 
when I was laying out the year and I was assigning different themes to different months and I came to this topic of belief, which is also like synonymous with self-confidence and courage and bravery in some ways, I was like, okay, if we're talking confidence, I got to get Kaya on here. And I'm so thankful that you said yes. So I gave you a little intro before we got into the actual interview, but in your own words, Kaya, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and your mission? Well, first of all, Molly, I'm so honored that you thought of me when you thought of confidence. It's um, really cool to hear that only because I've done a lot of work and I think the younger Kaya would be surprised to think that other people think of her when they think of confidence, which is just a really cool full circle moment to reflect on. Um, as you mentioned, my name is Kaya, better known these days as Coach Kaya. And I like to say that I am a California cattle ranch kid who grew up to become a international motivational speaker, a life coach, and podcaster. And more than anything, I am just on a mission to empower others, especially women, to really reconnect with themselves, love themselves deeper, care for themselves better, and find joy in this messy, beautiful journey of life. And the main way that I do that right now is speaking on stages and at retreats all across the world. Oh my gosh. I love that you added international to that because I know that was a big, big thing that happened in the last year when you had the opportunity to do that. That's so exciting. It's very exciting. It sounds just extra fancy. I got the opportunity to MC at a women's retreat in Mexico. And this year I'm hosting my very first international women's retreat in Ireland, which I am so thrilled about. Oh, this is going to be such a fun conversation. And we'll get into each of those pieces in a little bit. But Kaya, I'm really excited to hear a little bit about your story, because kind of like Mm. you talked about a little bit ago, young Kaya, maybe if you were to describe her, you might not describe her as the confident woman who takes risks and messy action and like takes on these international MC events. So can you give us a little bit of that story and tell us a little bit about where you came from and then the evolution to Coach Kaya of today? Absolutely. So I grew up in very rural California and I like to make this distinction because I feel like when a lot of people hear California, they picture Los Angeles, San Francisco, the beach, and that's all fine and good. But most of the state is actually pretty rural and it is the number one agricultural state. But where I grew up was on a cattle ranch in the middle of nowhere or middle of everywhere, depends on perspective. But I had to drive an hour one way to go to high school, the grocery store, the closest gas station, like very, very rural. And I really loved my childhood, but I don't think that I realized at the time how special and rare a childhood like that was and is especially now. And I think that people that knew me when I was younger, they would probably tell you that I was a lively, um, outgoing kid. But what a lot of people didn't know is that in my youth, I struggled a lot with self-shame and self-acceptance and specifically centered around body image. I really started struggling with my own body image at a very young age. I would say probably around the age of five when I started to go to elementary school and kindergarten. And I just became very aware of my body very young in the fact that it didn't look like maybe the other kids at school or the kids I saw on the Disney channel or the people I saw in magazines while I was in line at the grocery store with my mom. And I really had this deep rooted belief for a long, long time that started at such a young age that 
if I wanted to love myself, if I wanted to be successful, if I wanted somebody else to be able to love me one day, then I had to lose weight. Then I had to really pursue with all of my might, this picture of an ideal body. And, you know, I think that all of us that grew up in that culture can relate on some level, right? We were surrounded at every turn with these continuous messages in media and advertisements and magazines, um, really teaching us to believe that our bodies were problems to be solved, right? And everywhere we looked, there was a solution being sold to us, you know, melt away the cellulite, shred the inches, get your beach body back. There were constantly diet ads everywhere. And I mean, a lot of that still remains today. And as we're talking, it's still the beginning of the year. And I know that we're all seeing it. But if I really reflect about it, yes, media taught me to feel shame about my body. But I think where I learned to feel shame most was actually in my own home and in my own family. And I say this with no um, hard feelings or anger towards my mom, towards my grandma, towards the older women in my life. They were all doing the best they could with what they had. And they themselves were this, um, you know, product of diet culture. But I was a little girl looking at my mom who was looking at herself in the mirror saying, oh, I need to lose weight. Oh, I shouldn't have ate that. Oh, we need to start a diet again this next week. And when I was able to witness the women in my life feeling so much shame against their own bodies, it was just a, a mindset and I guess a self-belief that I sort of inherited at that young age. And I really started this journey of the yo-yo dieting cycle. I think the first diet that I can really distinctly remember, I was 10 years old and it was the Atkins diet. Do you remember that one, Molly? Yes, I do. And that like took the world by storm. I think we're, oh we gosh, grew yeah. up in a similar time frame. So yes, I totally remember that. Yes. It's, you know, kind of similar to today's keto diet. And, you know, we grew up on a cattle ranch. So we're like, okay, meat, veggies, we can do that. And so me and my mom and dad started this diet together when I was 10 and it worked to some extent. Like I remember when I got hand-me-down pants that were in a smaller size from a family member and I was so excited they fit. And what happened was I saw a little bit of success and then I was like, okay, once I lose the weight, then I'll go back to normal. And then as happened every single time after that, I'd start a diet. It would work. I would lose the weight. Um, I would still hate my life because I was doing it in a way where I was really trying to punish my body for being quote unquote bad by, you know, using exercise to fix it, using food to restrict it. And then when I went back to living my life, I would gain it all back and then some. And this became this never ending cycle of have a body, get to a point where I hate myself enough that I try to fix my body, go on a diet, a restrictive diet, um, mess up inevitably, shame myself for messing up, console myself in food because that's how I sought comfort. And the cycle would just continue and continue and continue. And it was exhausting. But really underneath the surface of that from a young age, all the way through my young adulthood was this belief that everything that I thought I wanted in life was on the other side of looking a certain way. And that just was, it became this mountaintop of my dream, right? When I was a little girl, you know what I wanted to be when I grew up? I wanted to be a star. Like I went to my first concert at my county fair. It was Christina Aguilera. I got to say our county fair has got some killer concerts, but Christina Aguilera, <laughs> and I remember looking at the stage being like, I want to be on stage one day. Like I want to perform. I thought I wanted to be a singer. Bless my heart. I will slay some karaoke, but I cannot really hit the high notes. Like that's really not my spiritual <laughs> gifting, but I wanted to be a star. And that was what I wanted so badly. Like I remember watching the Disney channel thinking like, how do I 
audition? How do I be on TV one day? That would be so much fun. And then once I really developed this belief that I need to look a certain way, suddenly all those little girl dreams that I had fell away to this other dream, which was lose weight by any means necessary. And that really consumed my life for two decades, over two decades. And I'm sorry, this is the long story, Molly, but I think it's important. No, I, I love so all of this and everybody's going to find pieces of your story that they relate to. So continue, take us there. So, you know, long story short, fast forward, go to college, um, move to Germany after college, um, start applying for jobs while I'm abroad because homegirl needed, her bank account was dwindling and she needed to, you know, get a real girl, big girl job when she came back to the States. Um, I found this job on LinkedIn for the Kentucky Beef Council. And at the time I had never been to Kentucky before, but I was like, beef, I grew up on a cattle ranch. Like that sounds cool. And um, I did my interview virtually on Skype. This was pre-Zoom. And I was, I did it in a hostel room from Berlin. And it's so funny to think back now because I was a Californian with a nose ring in Europe interviewing for this job. And my soon-to-be boss um, was this older gentleman from Alabama. And he was like, I don't know about this girl. She's kind of a wild card. <laughs> you know, like there's all these red flags. I'm like, is she going to fit in here in Kentucky? But uh, they took a chance on me, invited me to interview when I came back to the state. So I pitched up in Lexington on my way back home to California. And they offered me the job. So I went home from my county fair, moved back to Kentucky a couple weeks later and started this role with the Beef Council where I was the director of consumer affairs. And I loved it. It was, you know, my first big kid job out of college. I really got to be that bridge between consumers and producers. And while I love agriculture, I grew up in that industry. What I love more than anything is people and connecting with people. And in that role, I got to you know, I got to be the girl in the morning news that was cooking up beef recipes for Super Bowl weekend. And I got to help do advertising campaigns and work with social media influencers. And I also was in charge of the nutrition program, even though I was not a registered dietitian. Um, we didn't have any of them on our staff. And I just remember going to these meetings for the conferences for the dietitians and sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, who am I to be promoting, you know, the health benefits of beef when I don't look like someone who prioritizes her health. And um, I just felt really conflicted in that role. I was like, am I doing more of a disservice for our industry than I am helping it? And it felt really heavy to have that burden mentally as I'm trying to show up as a professional and promote, you know, this industry that I love and care about so much. And I remember I was on this I was getting ready to board this flight from Lexington to Phoenix for the Ag Media Summit one year. And I had popped into this airport bookstore that day. And I bought this book that people had been raving about on social media at the time. And I was like, fine, I'll buy it. I'll buy it and see what it's about. And it was Rachel Hollis's book, Girl, Wash Your Face. And at the time, I was someone who bought books. But reading them was another thing. Like I would just stack them up on my bedside table and they'd collect <laughs> dust, but it make it look like I was really well read. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that day I, I bought the book and I came and I sat, you know, squeezed into my seat. And as someone who existed in a larger body, airplanes are not made for all people. I will just say that I squeeze myself in the seat and I go to buckle my seatbelt and it doesn't fit. And the flight attendant asks, Hey honey, can I grab you a seatbelt extender? And I, you know, nod and say, yes, thank you. And I just remember sitting there feeling just flooded with shame, so much shame and embarrassment. And the only thing I could do not to burst into tears on this packed flight and in front of my coworkers was to shove my face in this book I just bought. And, you know, 
for those that have read the book, you know, you kind of, it's, it's a personal development book. And the thing about it is, is it wasn't even that there was anything that she said in there that I hadn't heard before, but there was a message in it that I needed to hear at the time that I was finally ready to receive it. And it was this idea that your life is a result of the choices that you're making. And if you want something different, you have to make different choices. And I just realized that I was not living my life in alignment with the person that I wanted to be and where I wanted to go in the future. And it was just this like wake up call for me that if, if you're unhappy in any aspect of your life, whatever you aren't changing, you are choosing. And if you want something different, it's time to choose something different. And that really sparked this big shift in my life, not just personally with my health, but also professionally. I realized that while I loved working for the Kentucky Beef Council and I, you know, I learned so much in that job. I loved the people that I served, but I was desperately homesick. My family was all in California. I had nieces that were born after I moved and I just felt like I was missing out on their childhood. And I, I desired more flexibility and freedom and also more opportunities to be more in control of my own income. You know what I mean? I wanted that. I desired that, that freedom. And so after I read that book, I just kind of dove deep into all these personal and professional development podcasts. I became a junkie. I started listening to, um, you know, Rachel Hollis's podcast, but I also started listening to Jenna Kutcher's podcast, The Gold Digger, and Amy Porterfield's podcast, Online Marketing Made Easy. And it just made me realize, oh my gosh, I don't have to wait for some opportunity to fall in my lap. I can create opportunities right now in the season that I'm in while in this position, while in this job. And that's what inspired me to start a side hustle at the very same time that I started my health journey, but fueled with a different perspective. This time it wasn't about, I hate myself and I'm going to try to change it. It was more about how can I look in the mirror right now at the person that I am in this moment and love and appreciate myself without changing a single thing first. And from that place of love and appreciation, how can I show myself that love and appreciation with choices that align with that. And it was a huge perspective shift that made me approach wellness in an entirely different way. Suddenly it wasn't about um, restricting foods from myself. It was more about what would make me feel really good today physically in my body. It wasn't about shaming myself for being bad. It was about celebrating myself and finding gratitude for myself. And really it was about focusing on the mindset aspect first before I came into changing my physical health and focusing on the mindset aspect first too, before I dove into becoming an entrepreneur. And that was really this, this massive shift for me. I'll, I'll try to tell this, get, get to the point here for you here a little bit, Molly. Um, fast forward, I started a side hustle at the time with my um, now husband, Brent. It was called Burley and Barley Creative and Editorial. And he taught me how to use design software in the evenings after we got home from our nine to fives. And I started doing graphic design for small businesses, mostly farms and ranches. And that kind of snowballed into me doing social media marketing and consulting. I made websites. I did photography. I did watercolor illustration. I did everything that anybody would ask me just as I was kind of, you know, getting grounded in what being an entrepreneur looked like and what I really enjoyed as an entrepreneur. And at the same time, I also started this health journey. Fast forward, it's 2019 now. And uh, a job opens up back in my hometown and I try to get recruited by a family friend to come work for our farm bureau in my home county. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not qualified, but my husband, my boyfriend at the time, he, he is qualified. And I convinced him by some miracle to move to, 
to California with me and apply for this job. And we moved in 2019 and I decided to go all in on my business. And I also went all in on my wellness. I ended up losing over a hundred pounds in a year. And the folks that work for Beef It's What's for Dinner, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, who were familiar with me while I worked at the Kentucky Beef Council, they said, Kyle, we love your transformation story. We love that you eat beef. We love that you're media trained. Can we pitch your story? Fast forward, they pitch it to People Magazine. It gets picked up the summer of 2020, snowballs into Good Morning America, Access Hollywood, Women's Health. The next year, I was on Kelly Clarkson's show talking about this health journey story. And my social media accounts kind of blew up and gave me the opportunity to ask myself, do I want to continue focusing on doing marketing or do I want to focus on serving people in a different way in this coaching aspect? And I chose coaching and helping support other women who are on similar journeys as mine. So that's the long story. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it because I think so much of the people who are listening, so much of my story too, like it's the story of evolution, right? And it's Mm -hmm. like, you might start in one place and as part of your message too, is like, you take action. And over time, as you take these actions, then you start to like trust yourself in different ways. Mm -hmm. And you start to think about yourself differently. And then you say like, what if, what if I try this other thing? And through all of that, then you can kind of, to your point, like you can start to craft your own identity and your own path forward. And so it takes all of those former versions of ourselves. It -hmm. takes all of those former identities to really like come together into the person that we are today. And so thank you for sharing all of that, because I think every one of those parts of your story really illustrates the Kaya that's in front of us now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I feel like, and I'm curious if you agree, Molly, I just feel like what I understand about life now is it is just this constant journey of learning who you are and continuing to learn and explore who you are. And the more that you do, the more that you try, you learn a little bit more about yourself and it just kind of guides you through this evolution. Um, I don't know if I'm ever going to, like, I do feel like I know myself, but I think I am realizing that I want to constantly stay curious about who I am and what I like and exploring and learning more and giving myself permission to kind of let that joy, um, let those interests, let my personal self-exploration continue to guide me. You know, I had no idea where my life would be now, five years ago. And I'm not naive enough to say that I know what the next five years of my life is going to look like now. I'm like, I, I don't know, but I'm along for the ride. That's so great. I think that's what so many of us are looking for is that opportunity to get curious and to dig in. But sometimes we have like all of these other outside things, these other obligations that really take our focus elsewhere. And one of the things I really love about like, and I'll link to everything in the show notes, but like Kaya has some amazing information on her website. She's got a podcast. She's got some downloads that you guys can access. But one of the things I love most is you talking about us really stepping in and allowing ourselves to be the main character in our own stories. And rather than be a supporting cast where everybody else makes the decisions, we let ourselves step into that role of being in charge, being the person who is manifesting our own destiny through our thoughts, actions, beliefs, all of the things. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit more, like when you are working with clients in a coaching aspect or you're going to take the stage at a speaking event. 
what are some of the things you share with the women there in order to help them step into that main character energy? Yeah. You know, I, I love this idea of empowering people to become the main character. Cause I do feel like a lot of us, or at least maybe at certain points in our life, we do feel like we're just kind of going through the motions. Like we don't really feel that great. We have this struggle with comparing ourselves to other people. We feel like we are just a bystander in the world. Like we're a supporting character to somebody else in the world. And the truth is, is that I really do believe that every single one of us, we are the main characters in our own lives, but whether or not we feel that way is another story. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think speaking from my own perspective here, you know, I shared at the beginning of my story that when I was a little girl, I wanted nothing more than to like be this star one day, right? To be able to take the stage, to be on TV, all these things. And what I think is true for so many of us is that when we are born into this world, we are born into it with all of the confidence, right? When you think about an infant baby, an infant baby, it has needs, right? And it is going to let you know that it has needs. It is going to cry because it's hungry, because it's got a poopy diaper, whatever it is. It's not sitting there thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't right now. Like I don't want to be an inconvenience to other people, right? Like they're confident. And then as we get a little bit older, you know, my nieces are kind of at that young age right now where they're, you know, starting to dress themselves and express themselves in their own individuality. And it doesn't make sense, practical sense, you know, based on what we know, you know, like they'll wear their shorts and their boots with their spurs on and earmuffs. And it's like outrageous and all the prints, but they are just guided by the things that bring them joy and light them up. They're just fully alive and fully confident in who they are. And it also worries me to think that they're also almost to the age that I was when I started to lose that spark when I started to question myself, when I started to compare myself to other people, when I started being told from the outside world what I should or shouldn't do or what was realistic or you know how we should act or to be quiet or to not be too much or whatever these things are. And that's what's happened to a lot of us through our lives, right? A lot of us had that spark when we were little. We were the main characters in our own lives until the world conditioned us to think otherwise, that planted these beliefs in ourselves to question and to doubt ourselves, to outsource our internal wisdom. And I think so much of what I like to do and encourage other women to do as part of this rediscovery of themselves is to kind of start by tapping back into that younger version of themselves, to tap back into that inner child, to tap back into that inner confidence and think about what are the things that light me up? What are the things that bring me joy? And also those thoughts that tell me otherwise, the, the thoughts of self-doubt, of fear, of, of worry, of comparison, what are those thoughts and what voice do they have? Where did they come from? Where did they originate? You know, I believe really passionately in this thing. I like to call it compassionate curiosity. And I love to think about compassionate curiosity because compassion is about holding space with love and non-judgment, right? And curiosity is about exploration. And I think that if we can begin this personal healing journey, I think a a big piece of it is a lot of us doing our own healing, um, but this personal internal journey with compassionate curiosity and really think about it as an exploration, I think that we can unpack and uncover so many things that will help us really release those old limiting beliefs that allow us to step back into that most confident version of ourselves. The thing that I've discovered though, Molly, is that a lot of people are scared, are scared to be quiet with themselves. 
are scared to, they're like, Kaya, I know that you believe so passionately in journaling as this like tool for self-connection, but I'm scared of what's going to come out. And I think there's so many of us that are scared to know ourselves, that are scared to open up the doors to what's going on inside of us when that is the place that we go to heal. That is the place that we go to, to uncover things. And I think that that's the hardest part. You know, I think there's a lot of people that think, Kaya, how did you get your confidence? Like, tell me what it is to do. And all of us are looking for this prescriptive, like, list, give me the checklist. That's why we love diets, right? That's why diet culture is still alive and well, because we want someone to tell us what to do, right? Give us the list. But the thing is, the question isn't, what do I do? The question is, how do I think? How do I think? And the thinking and the feeling is the hardest part of this journey, but it's the most important piece. The foundational piece to becoming the main character in your own life, the foundational piece to healing your relationship with your body, the foundational piece, I think too, to becoming a successful and grounded and aligned entrepreneur. It is the thinking and the feeling, not the doing. We all rush into the doing. We want to do, we want the list, tell us how to do it. And it's really like, no, we got to uncover like, what are your thoughts right now? Where did those thoughts come from? Um, how can we turn down the dial on those that don't serve us and learn how to increase and build our self-belief in a way that does? Oh, Kaya, so much that you just said there, like had me reflecting on my thoughts, my feelings, like the different things my inner child like internalized. And mm -hmm. I remember I just came across like the inner child concept. It was probably about two years ago at this time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is weird. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. I get that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I can't, I've come around. Let me talk about it. Um, so I just remember like the person who I was on a group call and she led us in an inner child meditation. And I was like, I don't need to do this. Like I had a fine childhood. Like yeah. what, a, what am I doing this for? But it's sometimes like, you kind of talked about picking up that book at the airport. Like it's just like, sometimes these things just hit us and then they like stick in your brain and you keep coming back to it. You're like, maybe that is the thing that I really need to dig into. Cause I might've had a good childhood, but the more I looked at it, the more there were these like little moments, they weren't always major, but yeah. they were moments that like stuck with me and kept telling me, stories about who I should be, what I was capable of, how I could be accepted. And even though like I would describe myself as somebody who was successful, a high achiever, you know, I've got, I've attained a lot of things. I've done a lot of stuff. There are still like when I dug into it and thought about my inner child, I was like, there are a lot of moments from childhood yeah. that still hang around with me right now. And like, even when you were talking earlier about the diet culture, like I still distinctly remember a good housekeeping article in my mom's magazine and it was Demi Moore. And in the article interview, it was talking about like all these things she did, but it also, she's a perfect 110 pounds. And so in my head, like that was like, my internal number. Like, yeah. But like, I mean, she's also like what five foot and yeah. like, you know. And so, but that was the thing that stuck with me for a really long time. Like if I want to be a perfect weight or a perfect look, then I should probably do that. And nobody told me that. I just read it in yeah. passing, but it's mm -hmm. stuck in my head. And it's all of these things, like you said, those are the thoughts that stick with us. That They create feelings when we go to step on the scale as a 35-year-old woman, mm -hmm. and then it creates this ongoing cycle. And so I love that you're talking about like, if we want to step into this main character moment, main characters are part of stories 
what are the stories that we're telling ourselves? Mm-hmm. Are those serving us? Are they not? And how do we take action on those and make them fit better for us now? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I also think something to think about too is, you know, I, um, I, you mentioned that when you thought of confidence, you thought of Kaya and I love helping women build their self-confidence and their self-belief in themselves. But something that I've been doing on a lot this last year is I think a lot of us are sitting around waiting for like, well, I'll finally start the business once I feel confident enough to do so. I'll finally start the podcast. I'll finally start dating again. I'll finally, whatever this thing is, once I feel confident enough to do so. But confidence is not always a noun. Sometimes confidence is a verb. Sometimes confidence is an action. Sometimes confidence is saying, okay, I recognize that I have these stories in my head about how I shouldn't be wearing a, I'll give this example. Like I talk a lot about body confidence specifically. And there are so many women I know personally in my life and so many women that I've worked with who they might be 60, 70 years old and they don't allow themselves to wear a sleeveless tank top in the summer. They will always wear a cardigan. I'm wearing a cardigan today, but it's also cold in here. But because they have this story in themselves that like, I have, my arms aren't small enough to wear a tank top, right? They have this story and it's influencing the way they're showing up in their life. And they, they think to themselves, I'll finally feel confident enough to wear a tank top once I lose enough weight, once my arms look different which by the way is BS, but that's like a whole other podcast. But sometimes confidence is noticing, okay, I notice these thoughts and these limiting beliefs that are saying your arms aren't worthy of wearing a, a tank top. The confidence piece is noticing those thoughts and choosing to show up and giving yourself permission to wear a tank top anyways. It's not having to be like, oh, I fully accept my arms now. I'm going to wear a tank top. It's saying I'm working on changing that belief. And one of the ways I'm going to change that belief is by actually being confident enough to do the thing that is incongruent with those beliefs that are holding me back. Does that make sense? Oh, a hundred percent because you're building, like you're flexing that trust muscle. And it's like, in order to build that muscle, like let's think about weight training. Like I can't go from a five pound weight to a 20 pound weight. Right. I mean, I'm going to feel the effects of it. But like, if I do a little bit at a time, like eventually that muscle increases and that, weight that used to seem so out of my league becomes my everyday because I've worked it a little bit at a time. I've Mm -hmm. built that muscle. And like you're talking about the confidence, like you got to take action on it. If you Mm -hmm. want to go from here to there, you have to like build that trust, build that confidence. Absolutely. Absolutely. Confidence is not just a feeling. Sometimes it's an action. I love that. And the like, English teacher nerd inside of me is like, I love that you just mentioned nouns and verbs. Like, <laughs> like that's so fun. <laughs> uh, Kaya, do you have any like go to, like if you're feeling especially, I know like I go through these seasons sometimes, like I feel like I just went through this last year of like a big season of reevaluating, rewriting stories, sure. getting in my feels. I know. I think astro, I like astrology too. And I'm like, I think there was an astrological thing happening too. Anyway, I believe that. Um, but like, I know I get into some of these seasons of life where I'm feeling especially like untrusting of myself or like I don't have the confidence. I'm a little more doubtful than I had been maybe a year before. Do you have any practices or actions that you found that help you kind of either 
get out of that funk or continue to like work through that funk, even if you don't feel like you're your most confident self at the moment. Yes. And Molly, I, I agree with you. I don't know what was, I'm, this is the, I'm sure there's some people who are like 2023 was the best year of my life. I was killing it and crushing it. But I feel like for me, I talked to a lot of people who were in similar spaces, Molly. And I was too. 2023 was very much, I would say an introspective year for me. It was, I just new- had that word pop into my head. Yes, I was like, yes. we're vibing here, Kyle. Yes. We're vibing. <laughs> it was very introspective. It was really about slowing down and um, I made some really hard decisions to press pause on some things in my life and some things in my business, just because I needed to create space to like reconnect and reevaluate. You know, I kind of think about it almost like, you know, we think about growth. Uh, I hate to use snakes because snakes are not very cuddly and cute, but like snakes, they go through this process of like shedding their skin. Right. And it is something they go through regularly. And I think I think that we have this perception or this hope when we are on this journey that like, okay, here we are at the bottom. We're just going to go up and up and up, baby. We're just going to keep moving forward. But I really think this journey is about peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys and ups and downs all the way along this journey. It is about growth and rebirth and shedding the skin and stepping into this new phase. And it's exhausting being a human, to be frank, Molly. It is exhausting. But the truth is my friend Nora told me this once and I just love this visual. I love using visuals to understand concepts. She said, everything in life, everything in nature is meant to go up and down. When you think about like waves on a beach, right? They go up and they come down and they go up and they come down. And when you think about a heartbeat monitor, right? It's going up and down, up and down, up and down. And I think we have this false notion that we just like, we just want to feel good all the time. But if you are just constantly good all the time on a heartbeat monitor, if you're just steady, that means you're literally dead. So I think that so much of this evolution, this growth is about um, recognizing and embracing the seasons. Like we are going to have seasons when we feel like, man, everything is up, like everything's going so good and enjoying and savoring those while recognizing that there is going to be another season where it's this introspection. You know, I have a podcast called Climbing with Coach Kaya, and it's a metaphor for climbing the mountains of life. And I love thinking about life as these mountain ranges, right? Like there's the climb, there's the grind, there's these peaks where you feel on top of the world, but it's life isn't just one mountain, right? It's these mountain ranges. And I have this visual pop up in my mind this last week when I was talking to my best friend, Jessica, about how I was like, yeah, I just feel like 2023, I wasn't on a mountain. I was in the valley and it was like a vast, expansive valley. I was like, I don't feel like I'm climbing at all. But I have this realization of, you know, in agriculture, you know, especially coming from California, the most fertile lands in our entire state that grows most of the fruits and vegetables for the entire nation is the Central Valley. The valley is actually where some of the most fertile land is because all the topsoil from the mountains gets washed down, all those nutrients get washed down. And they settle there in the valley. And it made me appreciate this perspective of, okay, Kaya, we're in this valley. We don't feel like we're climbing right now, but we are seeding some really good things in this really beautiful, fertile land. Like we don't need to rush our way out of this valley. Like there will be plenty of mountains that we're going to come across in the future. And I just love that perspective. But to answer your question, the thing that helps me when I'm in those places is reconnecting to myself. And one of my favorite tools to do so is through journaling. And the reason I love journaling so much is because 
um, we are thinking beings, right? We have all these thoughts and ideas going on in our head all the time. And it's a lot to make sense of. And what I think is so powerful about journaling is it helps you separate yourself from your thoughts because you're literally taking your thoughts out of your brain and you're putting them on paper. And then all of a sudden they're sitting in front of you and you can look at them, you can see them and you can almost self-coach yourself in a way, right? It helps you explore where is my head even at? Because I think awareness in itself is so powerful. And a lot of times we're just going through the motion of life, just trying to like stay afloat that we aren't even aware of the stories that we're constantly ruminating on in the back of our mind. So I think journaling is so, so, so healing. I also think talking it out with people is really, really helpful. I will always be a huge, huge, huge believer in therapy and counseling um, or coaching, you know, whatever is best for you in this season. Um, or even just having like one good friend that will hold space for you to talk things out out loud. I know that we all process differently. So some people journaling might not resonate with them quite as much as maybe talking it out will, but giving yourself a space to get the jumble from your brain out in some way, I think is what helps us process and make sense of it. And also I think give yourself space that in those seasons, that's also where we sometimes have the strongest epiphanies and find the most clarity. And we can't expect ourselves to be, you know, working on a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time, like give yourself time to rest, give yourself time to rejuvenate. And I feel like after 2023, I feel like I'm finally coming back out of it and like finding my creative flow again. But I don't think that that would have been the case had I not given myself time to kind of rest and ruminate and be in that season and be just with myself to really find that clarity. Kaya, I'm so proud of you for doing that because like you said earlier, it can be very uncomfortable to sit with our thoughts and our feelings. And a lot of us do everything we can at all costs yes. to avoid <laughs> that time because yes. you, it gets to like, it. You, there's questions that come up that you can't answer. There's solutions and you're like, well, that can't be the solution because that's not in the plan. And yeah. it's like, but having that time it is, like you said, so fertile. Things come from it. And I know that like just knowing you and knowing what you're going through, like pushing pause on your podcast for a little bit, you had to really take some actions that maybe weren't in your plan that were probably uncomfortable, but you had to do that in order to give yourself space so that you could have this time with yourself to think through these things and ultimately get set up for whatever is to come next. And so I think that in addition to just being someone that I think about as like confident and like, you know, a leader in the space, I also think that you are very much a person who leads by example. Mm -hmm. And so I just thank you for playing that out, walking the walk, not just talking the talk and demonstrating how important it really is to connect, get self-aware, make space, make time to dig into thoughts and feelings. Because if we just keep going forward and forward and forward, eventually we're going to be in a place that we're like, I thought I was going one way, but I didn't pick my head up to look. I was yeah. climbing this mountain, but I was only looking at my feet. And then I ended up over here when I thought I was going yeah. over there. So it is so important. And thank you for reminding us of that. Well, thank you. I, I so, so appreciate that. And, you know, I think that when we think about the confidence thing, I think that a lot of us have this desire for, I want to feel confident. I want to feel happy. Um, I want to feel joy, of course, right? Like we all, I feel like are on this search for happiness and joy and peace and confidence in our life. 
But something that I've really come to appreciate about the human experience is that your capacity to feel joy and happiness and confidence is equal or it is reflected in also your capacity to feel the hard stuff too. If you do not give yourself time and space to learn how to process things like anger and grief and sadness, if you don't allow yourself to feel those things, you're also not going to be able to feel the good things either. And so I think that we have this idea of like, I just want to be happy. And I think what I would say to someone who wants to be happy is amazing. I want you to be happy too. And I also want you to learn how to let yourself be sad also, because the more that we can allow ourselves to feel the hard stuff, the more capacity we also have to feel the good stuff too. And I think we have this, this perception that, well, if I'm in a tough place, if I'm in a place where I'm feeling grief or sadness, then I'm backsliding on my personal growth journey. And that's not true. It's not true. And so um, you can feel, you can be really confident and still have days you doubt yourself. You can be a really joyful person and still carry grief with you. It's not one or the other. It's about how can I learn how to feel it all? Oh, the full range. We're coming back to like mountain range. It's, uh, it's all coming together. <laughs> Kaya, when you look ahead at where you're going for 2024 or this next version of yourself that you're stepping into, what are some things that you see? Where are you? What can we expect from Coach Kaya in the months and years ahead? You know, I love that you're asking me this because on the wall that I'm looking at in front of me right now, I have um, the past four vision boards I've made are actually all up on the wall right now. And so when I look at them, it just, it makes me so, so happy. And I believe super, I, I am very, I'm a big believer in the power of vision boards. Um, I'm also learning, Molly, I'm a big dreamer. I've always been a big dreamer, but I'm learning how to, how can I be a big dreamer, but also keep a loose grip on how things unfold and unravel. And also hold a loose grip on my expectations of their timelines because patience is a virtue, right? Um, that said, the things that I'm really seeding for the future and where I'm going is, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned little Kaya and her big dream was she wanted to be a star one day, right? She wanted to be the one on stage and on TV. And I feel like this iteration of my business now as a motivational speaker has been so healing and full circle for me because it's kind of like, oh my gosh, you did it. Little Kaya did it. Like she is on stage. She's not singing, uh, thankfully for everyone else who's listening to her, but she's on stage with a microphone, she's performing, she's being able to engage a crowd. And um, also little Kaya wanted to be on TV one day. And me and my dear friend, Courtney Dehoff, we um, have been working on a project for the past few years called Backroad Cowgirls. And I'm really excited. Things are, are moving right now along on that project. And um, we're hoping to be pitching our show to networks this year. So I'm feeling hopeful and optimistic that maybe a little Kaya will end up on, on the screens one day. So that's definitely exciting for me. Again, I don't know what the timeline is going to look like, but I'm definitely really, really passionate about that and continuing to bring these really important stories of people in agriculture, but not just about what they do in agriculture, but really bringing these heart-centered stories um, to mainstream audiences is, is one of our missions. So I'm really excited about that in this next year. Um, I'm excited about continuing to travel the world and speaking on stages and empowering women and really speaking to the hearts of them and uplifting them so that they can, you know, become the main characters of their own life. Molly, when I started my business, it was in the middle of COVID, right? And I'm so grateful for technology because it allowed me to, you know, have a virtual coaching business. So it was actually the perfect time to launch into what I was doing. 
but I don't know about you, but I'm at this phase now where I'm, I'm just a little online fatigued, right? I still love the internet and the resources oh, yeah. and the ways we can connect in so many ways, but I have just been like really craving that in-person connection lately. And so I'm looking forward to opportunities to, you know, satisfy that with, you know, speaking on stages and at retreats this year. But I also really have, have been seeding these ideas of how I can create more opportunities to have that in-person connection too. So I am hosting my first women's retreat in Ireland at the end of April. And I'm so excited. We're bringing a small group of women. Um, my mom's coming along with me too, which is awesome. And we're going to Ireland. And really, this is about, yes, of course, exploring another country and doing all the fun touristy things. But it's also about this journey of self-exploration. And we're kind of doing some of this work we've been talking about on this podcast as part of that retreat. And as of now, as, as of right now, when we're recording, I still do have two seats left. So if you are someone who wants to travel the world and also um, really be on that self-discovery journey, we'd love to have you join us. And yeah, I'm just, I'm thinking of other other ideas too. Some of them are still seated. I have this vision, Molly, of um, I really want to host a vision board pajama party workshop. Like I want to, how can I create spaces where like we are all just like so comfy and ourselves and like small intimate gatherings of women. And I'm like, I want to go on a pajama party tour across the country hosting all these small workshops. Like I just, none, none of that is planned as of right now, but I have a feeling that's coming because that just sounds so much fun to me. <laughs> it does. And I loved, I was looking at some graphics that you had released recently. I was like, oh yeah, Coach Kaya on tour. And it looks like a tour poster. I'm like, this is so cool. And yes, a pajama party tour sounds like a real industry disruptor. Maybe we'll start having tours at concerts and stuff like wear your pajamas. It'd be great. Like honestly, sign me up. I did see this as a side note, but I saw something, I can't remember what city it was in, but there was some DJ that started this new thing. And it was like, um, it was geared towards millennials. And it was, it wasn't a pajama party, but it was like um, a dance party, like a club night, but it started at 8 p.m. No, or maybe it was 6 p.m., 8 or 6 p.m. And it was over by 10. So you could be home in your pajamas by 11. And I'm like, yes, yes. That's what the people want. That's what I want. And if I put my pajamas, even better. I love it. Kaya, I can't believe how quickly our time went today. But I'm so thankful for all of the insights and information you shared with us. We will link everything in the show notes. But in your own words, can you tell us where is the best place for people to follow up on the vision board pajama parties or to get more information about the Ireland retreat? Thank you so much, Molly, first of all, for having me. I feel like we could talk for hours and hours. Um, and thanks to everyone that has stuck around and listened to this episode. Um, I would love to connect with you. The best place to connect with me is on my website, which is coachkaya.com. That's coachkiah.com. There, it will have all the information about pajama parties when they are live. You can also link over to the Ireland retreat and learn more information about it there. There's also some fun free goodies too. And if you hop on my email list, which is linked on my website, I also send you a little sunshine in your inbox every Wednesday. That's where you'll be the first to know about any offerings that I have coming up. Um, and if you're interested in bringing me to your conference, your event, your retreat, uh, as a speaker or as a workshop host, you can also find that uh, at coachkaya.com. And if you are on social, my personal favorite place to hang out is Instagram. I am coach underscore Kaya. I'm also on Facebook. And uh, since you love podcasts, I also have a podcast called Climbing with Coach Kaya. You can tune in there. 
So many great episodes. I was listening to a couple right before this call and I was like, this is the message I needed to hear today. So head over to Climbing with Coach Kaya. You guys are going to love that podcast. All right, just to close this out, Kaya, I've got one more thing. So for our founders who are out there listening and they're looking to build up their self-belief in 2024, like flex that self-confidence muscle, what is one challenge or one tip you have for them? Oh gosh, just one, Molly. That's tough. Okay. I know. (laughs) I would say um, my challenge for you, be open-minded with me here, friends. I want to challenge you just to a journaling challenge and let it be easy. Let it be simple. Maybe it's just a five-day challenge. Okay. And what I want you to do is I want you to grab out your journal in the morning or at night, whatever feels best for you. And I want you to just answer the question, how am I feeling today? Where are my thoughts at today? And I just want you to free write. Don't put any pressure on yourself for how long it needs to be. Don't worry about grammar or spelling. It doesn't have to make any sense. It doesn't have to be legible to anybody else. Nobody else is going to see it. But I just want to encourage you to practice brain dumping because I think the first step of us building our self-belief is to even know what our current beliefs are so we can understand how to unpack them and how to really up-level them in a really, really special way. I've got a ton of book recommendations Um, If you are looking for book recommendations to build your self-belief on my website, coachkaya.com, I have a free guide there called Cultivating Confidence. I give you 10 tips to cultivate confidence and build self-belief. And for each one of those tips, I also have linked a book that is going to focus on supporting you in that one specific area. So if that's something you're interested in, head over to coachkaya.com, grab the Cultivating Confidence Guide, and uh, just, I'm proud of you for being here. I think being here and listening to empowering conversations like the ones Molly has on our podcast is already a beautiful, beautiful place to start when it comes to building your belief. So also give yourself credit for all the work that I know you're already doing. Kaya, that was wonderful. Thank you again for your time today. I just so appreciate you and I can't wait to see what what comes next in 2024. Likewise, friend. Thanks so much for having me. Hey friend, thank you so much for listening in to The Found Podcast. If you loved what you heard in today's episode, please head over to The Found Podcast on iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review. It means so much to know how you think about these episodes where I pour out my heart or to know what strategies you found most effective from our guest experts. While you're there, you can also check out that library of 100 plus episodes of stories of female founders and successful strategies for getting found in your business. Thank you again for being here this week and I'll be back with even more in next week's episode.